I'm just going to be passing on to someone else as well. <laughs> Who wants to go? <laughs> okay, brilliant. Um, it's exciting to be here um, in church with everyone. Uh, it's so good to worship God together. I just love that song, Great is Thy Faithfulness, just singing of the faithfulness of God. And even just we were singing that song, the kind of your love awakens me, awakens me. It's just aware that uh, by singing and declaring about God, it awakens our hearts. And the more we do it, the more we're reminded of it. And it's just a, a good thing to do, to worship as a, as a church together. Um, tonight we're going to be looking at one of these uh, heroes of faith. Um, and the one tonight we have is, is about this guy who's got pleasures, he's got powers, and he's got possessions. Basically, he's got everything you could kind of ever want. And a man like that, I imagine, would be um, happy where he is and quite happy not to look to benefit others much. But in the story, in the Bible, he, he, we actually see him start and look to want to benefit others. And we're going to read about that in uh, Hebrews 11. We're going to look at the character of Moses tonight. Um, and uh, we're going to look to read in Hebrews 11, 20, 24 to 27. Hebrews is almost at the end of the Bible. So if you've got a Bible, you can turn right to the end and then go back a few um, pages. Uh, I'll show you on my, on my bookmark. As you can see, very close to the end. So there you go. So if you're looking for it, don't go to the middle. You'll find it. You won't find it. So uh, we're going to read this Hebrews 11, 24 to 27. This is from the uh, ESV, one of the translations. It says, uh, By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Now, uh, this kind of, uh, this story, uh, it refers to Moses, but Moses is mentioned right at the other side of the Bible, right at the beginning in the second book in Exodus. And we're going to read that as well. This is Exodus 2, verses 11 to 15. And this is happening just after um, he's been adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, okay? And this is, it says, One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrew, Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, Why do you strike your companion? He answered, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, surely this thing is known. And when Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. Now, this is the first thing we kind of see as Moses um, as a grown-up man. Before this, he's this child and he's kind of floating through the river in this little basket and uh, he gets picked up and all sorts. And, and then he gets adopted by uh, Pharaoh's daughter. So he's the grandson of Pharaoh. But he gets offered all these pleasures, all the things that he could kind of want, these pleasures, powers, possessions that I kind of talked about at the start. We see him as a grown-up man. The first thing we see him do is actually something very different to what we might have expected. As someone who's grown up as Egyptian royalty with some really good stuff, stuff that he could actually really love to have and enjoy, 
and not worry about other people. He doesn't say, okay, I'm going to take on the identity of Egyptian and neglect my Hebrew kind of birth. But he actually chooses to refuse the title of Egyptian. He kind of says, I'm a, I'm a Hebrew, not Egyptian, a Hebrew. And he stands up for others. He stands up for what he believes in, in his roots. Now he strikes down the Egyptian that was beating one of his people. And you can see here that the behavior that he takes, he feels strongly about his actions. I think if you kill someone, you feel, feel fairly strongly with some emotion. And he's bubbling up with anger towards this man. He, he could have been changed from all those years growing up with the daughter of Pharaoh as his mom and being influenced by his environment and decided, nope, I don't want to have anything to do with that. I'm a, I'm a prince. I'm lovely. I'm enjoying all my wealth and possession. I can have as much sex as I want. I can have as much treasure as I want. And he can just have what he wants, but he chooses to refuse those things. You know, wherever we come from, whoever we spend time with, whoever, whatever podcast we listen to, whatever YouTube videos we watch, they're going to have kind of this influence on our lives. So as he was growing up to this first point when we kind of see him in the public, um, public eye, he's, he's, he's hearing those voices, but he's not being changed by them. So Moses at the heart doesn't let those, those kind of voices change him. And he's been living in this lovely luxury, for years, but from the word go, when the curtain is drawn back to show who he really is, even though you might have been living in the pleasures of sin for years and years, we can choose to refuse that sin today. It's not like, a, well, I've, I've lived in, in that for too long. I, I kind of identify with that now, and that's just me. I think actually we can choose those other things. And, and the way we um, think about that changes our actions. Now, the first thing I want to kind of talk about is a story um, that I want to tell. It's, it's about this, um, it's about me. And uh, it, basically, two weeks ago, I started working, well, about two weeks ago, I started working at Summer Hall over on the other side of the meadows. And in Summer Hall, they've got a thing called Codesk. It's like a co-working space where you can do uh, anything you want, really. And it was my first opportunity it was my first chance in the office. I was like, I want to make a good impression on people. And, and so I was sitting there working hard and some guy comes up to me and uh, we're talking and I do a bit of graphic design, I do a bit of video editing and such like. So I'm kind of sitting there talking to this guy and he says, so you do this for two days because I'm working in there for a couple of days. He says, what do you do with the rest of your time? And, and I kind of pondered and I, was, I work in this church office for two days a week, but I was kind of hesitant to say that. I was like, um, yeah. And eventually I said, yeah, I work in a church, really worried about the response. And he said, oh, I'm a Catholic. And uh, I was quite surprised by that. And amazingly, we kind of went on to talk about the need for more churches. We talked about um, church planting and the need to reach the nation. And, and actually, we were just, this conversation, I could have just said, yeah, I work at some other companies. And yeah, it's good. And, uh, and then carried on from there. But actually, it's the first opportunity sometimes you get in some places of work that you can actually voice who you are, where you work, things like that. And actually, Moses, this is the first thing we get to see of Moses. He shows up and he stands with his people. He doesn't stand with kind of a, a hidden identity. Now, um, we sometimes want to go to a new job or something and think, I'll make some good impressions. I'll be cool. I'll be, uh, get some friends first. I'll uh, show that I dress well. I'm trendy. Um, I love Spotify, things like that. 
And everyone, and then suddenly you'll say, also, I'm a Christian. And they'll say, oh my goodness, I didn't know Christians liked Spotify. And it'll be incredible. But actually, sometimes, actually, I found the longer I'm quiet about my faith in any environment, the harder it is to actually talk about it. And so when I go into a new situation, like I know we're probably not all going to start new jobs tomorrow, but it's an opportunity tomorrow to stand up for our faith. It's not like, oh, I haven't done it, so too bad, I'll just never do it. But actually, it's an opportunity every day to go in and stand up for um, the people who we might have neglected before, to stop the gossip that we might have previously indulged in. Or we, it's a chance for a new start, actually. And so when you're at your job or whatever you're doing this time tomorrow, um, you can uh, stay, stand up for your faith. It's good. Um, also, Moses is not defined by what Pharaoh's daughter calls him. The, the identity of Egyptian that the woman gave him was not a tight enough grip on him to change his heart. Now, sometimes we've had stuff spoken over our lives that still hold us now and still, we still live by the truth of it now. And it's hard to shake off things that have been spoken about us to our face. And we think I'm missing out because um, of something bad that's happened to me when I was younger or a terrible thing was said to me and we live under the dominion of it as though it defines us. And um, this is the first thing we see Moses do. He doesn't let the label of Egyptian stop him defending God's people. And then after this kind of whole story where he kills this Egyptian, he legs it. Then God speaks to him through a burning bush and um, it's all a bit mental. And he, and he kind of, God speaks to him about the call for uh, to go back, because he's run off to Midian, he'd go back and to help Egypt get free from Pharaoh's uh, reign over them. And so he's, he's worried about this call. He thinks this call is big. The call of God on him is a big call. And he kind of says, he's like us. He says, God, do you think this is really what you want me to do? And he's, he's kind of asking. God shows him again and again and again that he's behind him in the form of his faithfulness and in front of him in the form of his promises. God is like that to us as well, actually. We can go behind us, look behind us at God's faithfulness and what he has done, then look ahead at God's promises, okay? Now, um, when I think about responding to the call from a burning bush, I probably wouldn't listen to a tree, but I think Moses is a faithful man, you know? So, um, yeah, it's an amazing thing to, to, to be called by God to do some big things. But actually, the Bible tells us a lot of the little things that Christians are called to do. And even in those little ways, we can respond to God by sometimes thinking, the call is too big for me and God is not big enough to fulfill it in my life. And we can get consumed by the, the thing that God wants us to do, thinking that's bigger than the God who said for us to do it. And, uh, and so we can trust his faithfulness and his promises. Now, um, I've loved the songs we've sung tonight. There's a song, uh, Before the Throne of God Above, which I, I love. And it's the first, I'm kind of going to mention it a few times through this talk. And it's amazing because it says in the first verse, Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea. A great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. No tongue can bid me thence depart. And I'm just reminded, even as we've just looked at those kind of couple things, that as Moses doesn't define himself by Egyptian, actually he defines himself by Hebrew, the name is 
Our names are written on the hands of our maker and the creator who is not going to change. And so names come and go to us and we, and we go into different situations and we hear voices from other people, but we don't actually allow them to change us. So um, it's, uh, it's encouraging but what we see next, Moses doing, he's, he says, all right, I'm going to do this. So he goes back and he says, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to work, work with this. And it says in uh, the next bit, it says, he, choosed, he, chose, he, choosed? he chose rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Now we have choices like that. Now Moses chooses the mistreatment with God's people than the fleeting pleasures of sin. And when the Bible says it like that, the fleeting pleasures of sin, of course we think, yeah, we we see right through it as well, Moses. We get you, brother. The fleeting pleasures of sin, we wouldn't fall for it either. But actually, sin doesn't brand itself as fleeting. It's not going to sell us, sell many bottles if it says, this is fleeting. Fleeting means it doesn't last for a very long time. So Moses chooses mistreatment with God's people, instead of the wonderful delights of position, of status, of pleasure, sex, wealth, money, all of this would have been his. It was his entitlement. Sin is like stagnant, sweaty allure. It kind of draws you in with its flashing lights and pretty sounds, but there's nothing of substance in it. It's like the moment when when you walk into a shop and it's a cold day and that air conditioner kind of blasts you with that warm air as you're going into the shop and you kind of don't want to move out of it. You're kind of like, I'll just stay here for a little bit longer. And the longer you stand in it, you kind of get used to it and you're like, this is nice. This is kind of what I'm used to. But it kind of stops you moving forward. It also stops other people getting in the shop. And actually kind of like sin, we kind of, when we get in it and we're stuck in the cycle of sin, it can, be, it can feel like I'm just in it now. This kind of feels nice. I'll, I'll stick in it. And it doesn't help us move on. It's, it's like, um, it's like the, the bug that flies back to the light that knows it will be burnt again. And sin, we know what it does to us. And it doesn't just, we don't just say, oh, whoops, I fell into the trap of sin again. Surely we know the voice of sin. But do we? I know I can't trust myself to not sin again. Maybe learning the methods of sin won't stop us being enticed by them. Maybe running away from sin is not enough for us. We've got to look at something better to run towards. Because by faith, we have assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So we must choose to look to Christ by faith. By faith, we turn to look into a future that we can't see right now, but believe is coming. The next bit of the story, Exodus 5, uh, 1 to 2, uh, we've got it on the screen. It says, Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go, that they may hold a feast for me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who's the Lord, that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Moses is kind of in this fight of sin. The the verse says, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Moses has a long fight against sin. He stands with the people of God in patience. Even though he had a good life, he stands with and for the people of God. It's not a quick fight. Sin isn't a quick fight in our life that we just say, okay, I'll choose not to sin this one time. Then I'll read my Bible and I'll be sorted and I won't sin again. 
we won't say, I'm walking in the light now, people. I've chosen not to sin once and now I'm fixed. It's a long walk to the promised land. And sin tails us like Pharaoh was tailing Moses towards the sea. But with a mindset on Christ, sin won't catch up. Sin won't let up with age, but a long walk with a faithful God. The more you look ahead at God, the less you want to look back. So the more you look to the things to come, the less we're going to look. It's like we don't want to run away from sin as though it's chasing us because that's not going to help us. We're going to think it's too many, it's too much. Sin is going to get us at some point. But rather we turn around and look to God as the thing to run towards, as though those things are still chasing us, but we're looking in the other direction, going this way towards God, you know? You know, sometimes we can feel defeated by sin. In the past, I've really felt defeated by sin. And I say, why do we even waste our time fighting it? Surely it'll just come back and bite again. Do you know, because of the cross, sin was pinned on him who'd done none of it. And we laid our sin on another so it doesn't belong to you anymore. You can't have it back. It's no longer yours. You can't live under its rule or dominion because you aren't subject to its penalty. You have no ties to the thing you seem drawn to. You know what? It's important that we announce the victory over sin that Christ has won. Speak it to ourselves. You know, we were singing tonight about the faithfulness of God. Some days I wake up and I don't think God's faithful. And some days I think, Sin is too powerful for me. I'm going to fall into this again. But the more we announce the victory over, over sin that Christ has won for us, we'll lose the, the weight of it kind of coming after us. We'll forget the power of it. Sin is not strong enough to satisfy or to bear the weight of our expectations of it. It will give me this or it will satisfy that craving. Moses knew it was too weak. It's dead. It's stagnant. So when we walk out of the courtroom of heaven, like it says in Um, that song, he lives and pleads for me. Jesus pleads guilty on our behalf so that we walk out of the courtroom of heaven, having left all our sin on Christ. Him taking the place on the stand and receiving the penalty for our sin. We walk out and we don't simply walk back into the grip of the very thing we've been freed from. Death says, are you sure we can't tempt you back? Because that's all the enemy has. You know, it has no power over you. It must be you that makes the decision to be held by it. However tightly death was holding him, Jesus, he came back to life. But death has a very real grip on people. But death realized as strong as its grip was, he was not able to hold Christ and those in Christ anymore. Death can't even do its job anymore. And the verse, the second verse before the throne of God above says, When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, Upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Because a sinless saviour died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. To look on him and pardon me. Now I love this sin. uh, sin? I love, that's not a sin to sing that song. Don't worry. I love that this hymn doesn't have any verses about how rubbish sin is. Just about how good God is. When, even we, when we set our mind on sin, it's as though we could conquer it by realizing its weaknesses. But actually Christ has, has conquered it, so we set our mind on him. As the journey continues for Moses, he's, he's asking Pharaoh again and again and again to let his people go. And the, and the next verse in Hebrews says, He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for, the, for he was looking uh, to the reward. Looking ahead to the reward. Now, 
some evenings we can say, this is not how my life should be going. I thought I'd be here by now. I'd have this as though it were an ultimate reward, as though only a few months of hard work, I'd get what I wanted, or a few moments of pain, I'd have all of it. Moses doesn't go with the people of God seeking their freedom, and then later that day go and chill with some Egyptian hottie for his troubles. He aligns himself with God and his people. That means that the reward he'll get is not fleeting, it's not short-lived, it's not momentary, but a great promise. He looks ahead to the reward. He has to lead God's people through the wilderness as they moan and squabble. Surely the promise of wealth, power and sex outweighs this. Moaning and squabbling people or wealth, power and sex, surely you would choose this. But he says, no, I will align myself with the people of God, knowing that there's a greater promise in the distance to come. Now, why would Moses choose such pain in light of being able to receive such position and status, such physical and sexual delight, such wealth and money? It says, by faith. He considers being afflicted for God's people of greater wealth, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. He's hoping in the promise to come. He's looking to the reward. And that's why we look. You know, sin draws our attention all over its delights. Look over here, up here. What's this? Sin says, come here and indulge, relax, take what you deserve, all of your desires. But Christianity is not like that. It doesn't say, look over here, see this miracle, look at this cool testimony. As though it's a flurry of spiritual activity is what Christianity is about. Healing, testimony, God's love, zing, zap, presence, peace, warmth, love, embrace. Christianity isn't a show that is worried that if it is not pleasurable, sexy, delicious enough, that it won't keep our attention. You know, there is only one, and he is the way, the truth, the life. The way that is the only way that leads to life, not to death. You know, sin promises that it sincerely is the right way. The only way that leads to life. Only one path can be right though. Do you know what? Christ leads us through death to life, through darkness to light, through trial to peace. We follow someone who was crucified before he was resurrected. You know, sin takes us through pleasure to pain, through highs to lows. But we so often follow it because we want this temporary rather than the eternal. You know, when sin tempts us, we want the product of it, feeling powerful, getting pleasure, being well thought of, de-stressing. But in Christ, we don't look to him as though um, the product of looking, him, looking at him was what we were after. We look at Christ, we glorify and worship him because he is God. Not because he makes me feel this or that. We don't look to the instant pleasure, but to the eternal promise. Behold him there, the risen lamb, the perfect spotless righteousness, the great unchangeable I am, the king of glory and of grace. One with himself, I cannot die. My soul is purchased by his blood. My life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my saviour and my God. With Christ my saviour and my God. Moses leaves Egypt with his people. He keeps going, trusting in God. And it says in the in fourth one, it says, by faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. This is uh, the exodus of God's people from Egypt, but it shows us of whom we are to look toward in putting away sin, in taking the harder path and not fearing enemies. Moses took God's people from a world that Pharaoh was reluctantly letting them go from, but he didn't let fear guide him. 
Moses doesn't keep his eye on Pharaoh and his anger as to hope to outrun him. He sets his mind on God, on his faithfulness behind him and his promises ahead of him. His expectation grows instead of waning. Um, a few, a few, a few uh, weeks ago, a few of us are going out on the grass market, uh, part of Edinburgh, where people drink and have a good time on, sat- on evenings and stuff. And we were out there on Saturday night and every few Saturdays we go out there and we do some worship on the street where we sing some songs and uh, just praise God. And, and then these other guys from a couple of other churches, they go out and they preach the gospel. And, um, and usually it's really uncomfortable. And to be honest, I hate it. <laughs> the prospect of it is horrible. Like, Everyone, it's really a rubbish because you go out there and everyone's kind of, you should also sign up to the telling. This is a really good thing. But let me tell you why it's worth it. You know what, I go out there and I really don't always enjoy it. We kind of stand up there, worship, and most people are just mocking us. They're shouting at us. They're, They're kind of taking selfies with us in the background, just having a laugh. And you just feel like an idiot kind of standing on this podium, kind of playing this guitar and just thinking nothing's happening here. And actually that one day that we went out, I forgot my guitar, so it's even worse. (laughs) The other guy came and he was like, I'm so tired. And I was tired as well. And like, we were just like, we'll just stay out for an hour. We'll stay out for as short as we can. Then just go away, because this is brutal. And uh, even this Fringe show came through. It's like this, I don't know if you've even gone on this Fringe show. It's like this karaoke guy who's like wearing these really short shorts. He's doing this dancing. He's got this, like this kind of mic thing on, like I'm wearing. And he's kind of, got, everyone else has got these wireless headphones on and they're listening to all these songs and he's kind of commentating and telling everything. And then like, he kind of looks behind him, says something into the mic and everyone like laughs at us and we're like oh it just feels horrible you know um but actually i i do it because i believe god loves people more than he loves my comfort and uh and sometimes we do things that i don't we don't love to do and i don't actually the other guys i go out with they're like oh i love doing this come on george we're gonna do it again and every time i get the text i'm like Really? I heard it's going to rain or something like that. But you know, I'd do it anyway because I believe God's going to move powerfully. And you know what? Sometimes it feels like rubbish and we leave. But actually, a few weeks ago, I didn't take, yeah, I didn't take my guitar or anything like that. We stayed out for an hour. People are laughing. Da, 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 da. And just as we were packing up, a guy came over to us and he started asking us about higher beings. And we chatted to him and, and, and then he kind of said he had this uh, illness in his in his. Uh, brain and so we prayed for him which is amazing he said oh man I feel this warmth or something and we were like wow okay and um, then he kept staying with us and he kept chatting with us and uh, kind of asking about this higher being and we kind of explained it was Jesus and and we kind of talked to him about the gospel and we kind of said do you want to respond to the gospel and he said no uh, in front of all these people we're like oh and then eventually actually we, we chatted a little bit more and then he said right I do and it was a really weird experience because like we're, we're praying for this guy to become a Christian and like all these wild antics are going on around us. People are getting drunk, throwing glasses, shouting at each other. The guy who kind of lights things on the, on, like puts like a fiery sword in his mouth or something was like a meter away from us. So it's all quite weird. But this guy, we just close our eyes and we start praying this prayer and this guy just repeats the lines and 
this guy, in about a space of 20 minutes after being on the street, becomes a Christian. And you know what? I didn't go out there expecting that. But actually, Moses kind of looks ahead to the things that are to come and says, right, this might be awkward, it might be tough, it might tire me out sometimes, but actually, this is worth it. I'm going to go for the things that are invisible, that I can't see yet, rather than the immediate pleasure that I can see right now. He sees the invisible. He, he leaves his future um, inheritance in Egypt for the greater future inheritance. He's, you know, he sorts out... Um, I've been moving house a lot recently, and, uh, and every time I move, I sort out all my stuff that I want to get rid of before I move. I don't take everything in boxes that I don't want to keep to the next place, then unpack it and say, I don't want to keep this. I get rid of it before I go. And actually, that's the same with our sin. We, we've got to sort it out before we move on, because you know what? Marriage won't sort out our sin. Moving to go church planting won't sort out our sin. Serving in church won't sort out our sin. Church leadership won't sort out our sin. We don't want to bring our old sin with us um, in the hope that someone else or some other circumstance will help change it. We've got to deal with sin at its root, okay? In this life, we look forward and fight as though um, because the things to come are greater than the things that have um, been. And And we look not at the things before us. We We might say, if it weren't for Jesus, I could have done all the stuff I want. He stops us from having something in this life. But actually, sometimes there's a a kind of limit on our freedom because the purpose of receiving something greater in this life to come. You know, I've heard a story and he was saying like, Usain Bolt doesn't get to eat what he wants and wake up when he wants and do whatever he wants or else he wouldn't be able to be the amazing super fast runner. I don't know how old he is now. He probably can't run that fast, but he doesn't get to indulge in whatever he wants just because he limits his freedom to attain a greater freedom. Like he gets this greater thing because he stops himself getting some other things right now. I'm running a marathon in in, uh, Budapest in October and at the moment I'm preparing to run it. I'm doing my daily runs. Some of them are hard, some of them are easier. Um, I did one this morning, which was horrible because it was raining and I ran about two-thirds of the thing I should have run. But when I run it, I think about crossing the finish line on the day of the marathon because I know um, that if I don't put these runs in every day or every other day, I'm probably not going to cross the finish line. Or, Or I might cross the finish line, but I'll be tired, I'll be slow, I'll be in pain. So actually, sometimes I have to look ahead Think, on, think ahead to those days and think, oh, I'll just stay in bed and not do my run today. It's, 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 a, it's a kind of daily thing to, to take those small moments. The future is where we look, an, un, an unseen future, but a promised one. Seeing who, him who is invisible. He didn't see a chest of wealth as a mirage, Moses. He didn't see a physical person who drew him in. He saw him who was invisible, invisible. He, he saw him who is invisible. We, we say, when I see it, then I'll move towards it. When I feel it, then I'll know it's real. By faith, Moses left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger, not looking back. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Um, by faith, he saw God leading. Moses didn't see or feel, feel something physical before he acted. I want to I read this scripture um, uh, sorry, 
I haven't given it to you, Janet, so I'm just going to read it. It says, in, in 2 Corinthians 16 to 18, it kind of sums a lot of this stuff up for us. And it says, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. In that, in, that sen- in that kind of sentence right there, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. It's like light and weight, momentary and eternal, affliction and glory. That's the kind of comparison that this is making, this momentary to eternal, this thing that lasts for now and this thing that will last for eternity, this thing that is light and we feel like it can be hard, but there's a weight in eternity to come. And the affliction that we can face right now, there's a great glory to come from it. If you've challenged right now, God says that it is light. It seems heavy. It can be really hard to bear, but because we haven't experienced the immeasurable weight of eternal glory to come. Sometimes the illnesses can go on and on. Our anxiety can plague our mind. Our jobs can keep us working too hard. But in light of eternity to come, our suffering will seem like a light gust of wind that's gone in a moment. We don't think that this life is all that there is, as though this life had the greatest pleasures to offer. Faith conquer. Faith conquers the desire for these things, knowing the reward of Christ himself will come in eternity, greater wealth. Your affliction will turn to glory, your pain will turn to joy, your anger will turn to peace, and you will not remember it. You won't go around heaven saying, man, I was really going through it on earth. I had some tough times back there. Oh yeah, life was hard, but this is lovely. Heaven is not like a lovely holiday in the south of Spain. It won't just be what I needed, just what I needed. You'll be in an eternal place which will satisfy every desire. It will be a place where you're in awe of God and the immense price he paid to get you there. So we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So we set our mind on Christ. And to know the mind of Christ, you have to know Christ. And to know Christ is to spend time in relationship with him. And to enjoy relationship with him is to read the Bible, to talk to him through prayer, to set your mind not on the things of this world, but on God. Um, Do the band want to come up? We're going to do a song in a sec. But all of this, we can look at Moses and think, man, he he had some serious faith. He, he, He was going through it, but he had real faith that he stuck out to the end. You know, Moses acts as a forerunner, representing one who would choose not the luxury of status and power, but one who chooses to represent God's people and to go through suffering for their sake knowing that the reward to come was greater than the pleasure and power that was given up in order to gain it. A picture of Christ himself, who gives up, actually, who comes down into humanity in the form of a child and lives a normal life, not with a crown on his head, but a crown of thorns. And he goes through life suffering for the sake of God's people, on the cross suffering for them, knowing that the reward for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And so this picture of Moses is a picture of Jesus, helping us understand and see what Jesus has done for us. 